You may be seated. I don't have a sermon for you this morning. This is more going to be more of a family chat. For that reason, I have not worn a tie to remind myself of my purpose. I hope nobody loses their salvation over that. But with the events of this week, I felt like it was important for us to talk about some things, and there's some things specifically I need to say to you. Um, first of all, the Bible says rejoice with those that rejoice. So anybody that wants to hoop and holler about the results of the election, now's your chance. Okay. The same verse says, weep with those that weep. (laughs) Not everybody's happy about this. And we need to recognize that. We need to be aware of that. And for that reason, I'm going to ask you. This sounds funny even thinking about what I'm about to say. But I'm going to ask you not to amen like you do anyway. Or if I happen to say something, if I happen to hit up on something that you like to hear, don't react. Because the person sitting next to you might not react in the same way. I think we need to realize that we're all coming from different places. For example, eight years ago, I was deeply offended when our new first lady said that she was proud of her country for the first time in her lifetime. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if she'd be offended if I said I was proud of America's vote the turnout of the election this last week. So we need to realize we're coming from different positions in different places. Okay? We all on the same page here? All right. First order of business. I need to offer an apology to you and ask you to forgive me. Because some somewhere along the lines, I think it started around the 4th of July, maybe before that, I don't know. But somewhere during this last year, I began giving you my opinion about the outcome of this election. Now, I never said that God told me. In fact, I said several times that that he didn't tell me. But see, folks, I know that that's God's signal to keep your mouth shut. And I'm real good about that in other areas, real good about that in other areas. I'll go as far as God tells me to go, and then I'll stop. But for whatever reason, I didn't do that with this election. And I offered you my opinion numerous times on this election and what I thought it was going to, how it was going to turn out. Now, you might think, well, that's, you know, we understand. We all have opinions, and we have rights to our opinions. That's true. But God didn't send me here to tell you my opinion. He sent me here to tell you what the Bible says and to deliver words that he gives me to tell you. And in this respect, I didn't do that. So I want you to forgive me. Second thing is that we've been studying a a series on keys to the kingdom. And both Matthew, Mark, and Luke identify a parable that Jesus told about the sower sowing the word. And he explained to his disciples that this, this parable was the key or the secret 
to understanding how the kingdom of God works. And the secret is very simply this. He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Well, I didn't do that either. Here, I'm the one that preaches on being spiritually sensitive. And I allowed my opinion to cloud other things. For that reason, I owe a special apology to our sister who prophesied a few weeks ago that God was going to raise up a man to lead her country. I apologize for anything that I said that put what she said in a bad light because whether she prophesied out of her own spirit or by the spirit of the Lord, it turned out exactly the way she said. So I hope you can forgive me. Don't get me wrong. You don't have to talk me down off the ledge or anything. And I believe, as much as I'm able to recall, that everything I said about the reasons why I thought the outcome was going to be the way that I thought it was or would be was sound. And I don't believe I said anything unscriptural in talking about the reasons and and so forth. But one of the things that Jesus told the Pharisees was that they made the word of God of none effect by their traditions. Now, the example that he used was he said, it's written in the law to honor your father and your mother. But you say that if you give your parents a big enough gift, then you're released from your responsibilities to honor them. And that's when he said, you make the word of God of none effect by your traditions. The word tradition there literally means reasonings. Clearly from the example that Jesus uses, he's saying the way you've interpreted the Bible, the Old Old Testament commandment, the way you've interpreted that has kept you from seeing the reality and the truth. Well, they had the truth. They just misinterpreted it. That was not of, on my part at least, it was not a rebellion. Wasn't because I wasn't loving God or committed to Him or wanting to do what He wanted me to do. The very simple fact is, we can get so swayed by what we think is right that we fail to hear what God's really saying. And I believe I did that. Again, it's not a matter of. God was trying to tell me something and I wouldn't listen. I guess we could wonder whether or not he would have told me if I'd been in a different frame of mind. It's possible, I guess. But it's more likely to me, in my thinking, you judge this for yourself. But it's more likely to me that it's just simply a matter of God didn't tell me anything one way or the other. Well, okay, if I had, if I had realized that, that gives me a different responsibility than the one that I took. My responsibility was and should have been to prepare you for either outcome. In that, I did you a disservice. I do think I effectively scared the bejeebers out of you about a Hillary Clinton presidency. But I didn't prepare you for Trump. And I've got a responsibility to that too. This election 
was different than anyone that we've experienced in our lifetimes. I realize some people are threatened or feel threatened by this, the outcome and the, the results. And in, in one respect, putting myself in their shoes, I can understand it. This is, for the first time, a legitimate threat to big government, liberal, godless policies since 1988, which was the last year of Reagan's term in office. You could be in your early to mid-40s, assuming that as a teenager you weren't paying attention to politics, and have never known anything except big government expansive policies. That's what we've had since 1988 from both Republicans and Democrats in, in the White House. So I understand there's an uncertainty to it. But I think it goes further than just political preference or political ideas. I believe there's something spiritual going on here. If you look back in history, you can identify that there was a tectonic shift in 1980 when Reagan was elected. Prior to that, there were the liberal policies of Jimmy Carter. Prior to that was, well, no, there's no point in going back any further than that. But nevertheless, in 1980, something happened that shocked commentators and the experts maybe as much as this last election this week did. And that was when Reagan came out of what they thought was nowhere, someone that they discounted, someone that the experts gave no hope for winning, and he won big. Primarily, if you go back and look, primarily it was due to the church taking action through the moral majority. Some of you may not even remember or ever heard of the moral majority. But that was started primarily through the Baptist church, Southern Baptist church, Jerry Falwell. Are you all right? (laughs) Don't scare me like that. Anyway, 1980 or prior to the 1980 election, the moral majority was headed up by Jerry Falwell who was a very widely known national figure, preacher. And he stirred up primarily the denominational people. And so the church became activists, active in the election process for the first time in a long time. In one sense, for the first time forever. Well, it worked. Reagan got in office and Reagan did some good things for the church. He did some good things for the country. And so the church went to sleep and said, well, that's how we do it. We do it through political activism. But it wasn't political activism on the part of the church that got this done this time. I believe it was prayer. Because people were praying everywhere, unlike anything I'd ever seen before in my lifetime. And it didn't matter whether you were fundamentalist, denominational groups, independent groups, charismatic groups. Everybody seemed to be praying about this thing. 
And I believe prayer is the thing that turned it around. So as we prepare for a Trump presidency and the, for the world that we'll live in and how that will affect the world we live in, we have to consider a couple of things. First of all, the devil is not going to stop what he's doing. It's interesting to me that the experts who didn't know what was going on to begin with are now telling us that this was a racial issue. That Trump won because the white nationalists came out to vote. But the exit polls show that only 1%, that Trump only got 1% more of the white vote than Romney did in 2012 and that McCain did in 2008. It wasn't the white vote that elected Donald Trump. There was an 8% increase for Trump over Romney and even more than that over McCain of the black voters. There was an increase, I don't remember the percentage, but there was an increase in the women vote for Trump over McCain and for over Romney. There was an increase in the Latino vote for Trump over the other two. So this was not a white vote issue. But as I said, it's interesting to me that that's the way it's being couched. Because that's one of the things that Jesus said, one of the major points that Jesus said would be at the end before he comes back. We may be coming to the point in time, folks, where everything is going to be identified or related to in terms of race. Wouldn't surprise me at all. That's sad. But the church doesn't have to participate in that and shouldn't. So what are we going to do? Well, we're going to realize that the devil's going to continue in his activities. He's trying to stir up a lot of trouble now through protests and things like that. By the way, do you remember when Romney lost in 2012 all the protests? Yeah, me either. <laughs> you remember in 2008? No, I don't remember that either. But now it seems like it's fashionable to be intolerant of the choice of the people by saying that they're the one that they chose is intolerant. It's a sign of the times. So what should we do? There is a role for the church to play, folks. Turn with me over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. First Timothy chapter 2, Paul, writing to Timothy, probably from prison, probably at the end of his life, a political prisoner of Nero, the Roman Caesar. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Now, included in the all men, not exclusive to, but included in the all men that he's talking about. He identifies in verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority, 
that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to notice there's a difference between just being saved and coming to the knowledge of the truth. You can know a little bit of truth and get saved. But then following your salvation, you can come to the knowledge of the truth, the whole truth. As I said, I believe prayer turned things around. Now, I'm going to share with you something that, uh, that the Lord had to remind me of. Because I had some questions about it, talking to the Lord about these things and why I didn't see some of the things I didn't see and so forth. And let me preface it by saying, the last three elections I've known, not had an idea, not had an opinion, but have known, God told me. So I couldn't figure out why he didn't tell me this time. So I asked him. I said, Lord, why did this happen the way that it happened? Or how could I have not seen what was going on? And the Lord simply answered me this way. He didn't really give me a, the answer to the question I thought I was asking. But sometimes God tells you what you need to know, not what you're asking to hear. The Lord said this. He said, well, you've been praying for it for eight years. And I was reminded, immediately I was reminded of something that happened to me back in 2008. In 2008, when President Obama was elected, and I knew it ahead of time, knew it was coming. I don't think I said anything about it publicly. I don't remember that God told me to, but there were a couple of people that I told. And it was, it was totally different than this time. It wasn't what I thought was going to happen. I just knew. But back in 2008, following the election, I started talking to the Lord about this verse of Scripture in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2. I said, Lord, I know what this man's going to do. I know where he's going to take the country. I know that the direction he's going to take the country is godless. And anyway. I, I, I don't understand why everybody didn't see that. That's a, that'll always be a mystery to me. But nevertheless, I talked to the Lord about it and said, how am I going to pray for this guy? He said, what does my word say? Well, I quoted in 1 Timothy 2. You told us, Lord, to pray, make supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks for all men, for kings and all that are in authority. That's why I need to know, how am I going to pray for this guy? He's not somebody that's going to be open to your influence. He doesn't want to hear from you. If you appeared to him in his bedroom in the middle of the night, I don't think he'd obey what you told him. So how do I pray for that? See, there's a lot of people that are, that are out there saying that Trump is not my president. And a lot of the church is sitting on the fence the same place that I was eight years ago, wondering how am I going to pray for this guy? I didn't vote for him. I don't like him. Whatever else they may think. Well, I'm tempted to say welcome to my world for the last eight years, but I won't put it in those terms. But I knew I had a responsibility and an obligation. So I asked the Lord, how am I going to pray for this guy? Talking about President Obama. So I quoted First Timothy 2, pray for those that are 
kings and for all those that are in authority. And I said, that's what I'm talking about. How do I pray for the man that's in authority? How do I pray for the new president that that is in authority according to what you told me to do? And the Lord told me something that shocked me. He said this. He said, I thought America was set up so that the people were in authority. Well, folks, that changed my prayer life. Completely changed my prayer life. Because from that point, I didn't bother about trying to pray for President Obama specifically. I'm praying for the people of the country. And that's what the Lord reminded me of when I asked him about this situation, this election. He said, you've been praying for it for eight years. Thank God for praying in tongues. Because I didn't know that's what I was praying for. I didn't know that was all included. I've been praying for the church. I've been praying for the glory of God. Let's talk about that for a second, just as a th- side thought. I'm trying to be real careful here and not get off track, but let me, let me suggest something to you. If God was involved, and there are several people that are out there saying it publicly, if God turned this election around through prayer, how did he do it? God didn't rig the ballot box. He didn't change people's votes from Democrat to Republican. How did he do it? He did it through people. He did it through influencing people who took action based on that influence. It's the only way God can operate in the earth. He can't just change things the way that he wants to because he gave man authority here on the earth. Way back in Genesis chapter 1 in the creation account, he said, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the earth. A lot of the church is praying for God to just come in the middle of the earth and do things and change things. But he gave you authority to operate here. It's ours. It's not his. He can't take it back. And that authority never changed. never changed and never shifted back to him. So if God does anything, and what I believe God did do in this election, was that he influenced people's hearts. And they yielded to that and it was reflected in the votes. So now we have what we have. So what are we going to do? Well, if the church follows its pattern, it'll go back to sleep. If the church follows the pattern of 1980, now that we've got our guy, or the election went the way that we wanted it to go, they'll go back to sleep. And leave it up to the individual to do things what we believe is on our behalf. But I would suggest to you there's a better way. And that is the same prayer effort and urgency that we put into the election. We put into the administration. Now if you're one that's going to have a hard time praying for President Trump. Pray for God to work through the church. You're praying for those that are in authority. A couple of things I know. One is everything the Bible says about the end will be exactly the way that it is. Men will get worse and worse. Race will become a bigger and bigger issue. 
There will be wars and rumors of wars. There will be famines. There will be earthquakes. I don't think the timing of that one in New Zealand last night was coincidental. All those things are going to happen. Another thing I know is this. It's not going to be what the media tells us it is. If anything, this will cause the devil to step up and increase his efforts. Because if this is the result of the prayers of the, of the church, this meaning the election results, if these election results are the result of the prayers of the church, then he's experienced a greater resistance than we know of in, his, in our lifetimes. And he won't take that laying down. He'll start bringing attacks against the church. Here's another reason why I think prayer is important or more important now than ever before. Donald Trump is a flawed man. He's not just human. He's flawed. I don't think anybody that voted for him had their eyes closed to that fact. But he is a man that will yield to the influence of God. Because his campaign promise, and I'm, I'm greatly encouraged by a lot of the campaign promises that he made. I expect him to make good on those. But he is going to disappoint me. And I have to be ready for that. He's not going to do everything exactly the way that I want him to do. And I can't bail on him for that. I have to be ready and prepared for that up front. I think we all do. But if there's ever a man that needed our help, if there's ever a man that I believe is more open to the things of God or the hand of God to receive help, it's him. Every other person that's been elected president in our lifetime, at least in mine, has come in with experience in politics or in governing, and they thought they knew what they were going to do. And with very few exceptions, it hadn't worked out that way. Donald Trump just knows what he wants to restore. But the way to do that, he's going to have to rely on other people. Maybe more so than any other president we've known. So we need to pray. We need to pray daily. We need to pray consistently. We need to be obedient to what the Bible tells us to do. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. That says to me just to be open to the Holy Ghost in any way he wants you to pray. For kings and for all that are in authority. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Doesn't say the country around us will, but we can. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who will have all men to be saved. And to come to the knowledge of the truth. I'm going to ask you to stand together with me. And we're going to start off by praying.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you based on your word in obedience to what you told us to do. We pray for President-elect Trump, Vice President-elect Pence, and for all those that are in the inner circles and advisory positions, the transition teams, and all those that will have any means or form of influence upon this incoming administration. We don't pray, Father, that they, do, that they would do what we want them to do. We would pray what, that they would do what you would direct them to do. We trust you with the future of our country, just like we trust you with our personal futures. We ask you, Father, that you would give them wisdom to select the right people for the right jobs and positions. We pray, Father, that you would continue to use your power and your influence upon the American people to pray, to participate, and to act in a manner that's consistent with your word. We pray, Father, that you would give these people wisdom that goes beyond their political experience or knowledge that they would make decisions even as directed by the hand of God you know what needs to take place for the name of Jesus to be glorified through the church and we pray that to be the case father in these next four years like never before in the history of the world we pray that the glory of God would be seen and known in our country. That America would take the lead when it comes to the glory of God. A place that we've given up over many, many decades. We ask you, Father, in Jesus' precious and holy name, for you to do that which goes beyond what we know to even ask or think. And for that person purpose, we need the help of the Holy Ghost to pray. Your word says, Lord, that you help our infirmities because we don't know what to pray for as we ought to. But you give us utterance in other tones that we might pray the perfect will of the Father. So, Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us utterance now to pray the plan and the purpose of God, the perfect will of the Father for this country over these next upcoming years. Et robo shara vandro bama mandoro bama mendra betire betire betisisi ibe mende breve et robo shara vandro basso shara vandro bestesesesesi be be mira betro basso robatro tetro mosso trovasso shobra bama mendro be probetro basso vandro bama mendro ebre mendro mandoro basso shobra batro basso shosho Tetrovasso, Sosovasso, Sorovandrovasso, Sosobis. 
Father, we thank you for hearing and answering our prayer. And we commit to you that this is just the beginning. We commit to you that we will pray. We'll be ready and instant in prayer at any time to pray for this country, to pray for the leaders of our country, to pray for the church and the glory of God to be revealed. We thank you, Lord, for the great things that are ahead. And we yield ourselves to you to be used in any way you see fit. In the precious and holy name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that your hand is upon our country and that your hand never left our country. No matter what it looked like. In Jesus' precious name. Everybody that agrees with that, say amen. 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 Well, you know all those times where I took extra time and told you I'd give it back to you? That's today. Now we're even. This evening we will be having a night of worship in place of healing school. But just come worship God for your healing. May be the best thing for a lot of us to do. Amen. God bless you. We love you. No matter how you voted. We appreciate every one of you. And now these are the days for the church to be the church. And to walk in love like never before. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great day.